0: You're listening to Humanize Me with Bart Campolo. Hey everybody, it's me. Welcome back. It's Bart Campolo. This is Humanize Me. This is my podcast and I'm just, I'm glad to be back with you. I mean, it's been a while. And that was actually on purpose because we dropped the last episode, that kind of very cool conversation with Jim Gilliam right before Thanksgiving. And I, you know, afterwards I thought, I don't know if people got a chance to listen to it. And I don't want to put something else up if that's going to distract him from hearing it. Cause I thought that was like one of my favorite episodes ever. Um, so if you haven't listened to it, you should go back and listen to that and then come back here because this episode is going to be a little bit different. It's going to be a little weird. Um, I hope not bad weird, but um, I'm not. I'm not in some weird headspace. I don't have some deep thing going on with me. It's just there's this thing I want to share, and 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 it flows out of most of you know that I am the humanist chaplain at the University of Southern California, which means that down there I'm trying to build a genuine secular student community like trying to build a fellowship down the secular student fellowship we call it and if you are ever you know if you ever wanted to see like what i'm talking about in action it is the most wonderful group of young people you could imagine i mean i just love that fellowship but the truth of the matter is is that as exciting as it is to watch these kids come together and really start to care about each other and care about supporting each other in becoming better human beings and in making the world a better place and getting involved in social justice work as exciting as all that is it's also a little bit scary because you know when people get close to each other when they start to open up to each other and be real with each other uh, there's they're bound to hurt each other i mean it's just what we do we're we're human after all and so that means we screw up and when you build a close-knit group, there's going to be conflict. There's going to be hurts. There's going to be disappointments. And, you know, I mean, if there's anything, some of you know that um, in addition to podcasting and, and doing the doing the chaplaincy thing, I also do a lot of counseling and coaching. And if you wanted to find out about that, you could find out about it at barcampola.org. A lot of the people that come to me for to, to, they want to work on stuff what what they want to work on is hurts and anger and bitterness that comes from broken relationships So sometimes it's in the context of religious transitions really struggling to connect with family members or or people say and do really hurtful things to each other around you know faith and and losses of faith or changes of faith um you know but but there's a lot of hurt out there. And, you know, one of the things I used to love about being a Christian when I was a Christian was the centrality of forgiveness in the Christian community. I mean, it's, it's a big theme. You know, it's like the whole point of the whole Jesus story. And, you know, forgive us. Our, you know, it's all about God forgiving us for our sins and all that kind of stuff. And, and the truth is, is that, I mean, and I've talked about this on this podcast before. There is a really weird flip side to all that grace. The idea that, like, we are so in need of forgiveness at all times, that we are so unworthy. But the, the forgiveness thing itself is kind of cool. um, And, you know, I loved being part of a community where it was part of the ethic of the community was if somebody screwed up, like, you had to forgive them, or you had to try to forgive them, or people would—there there were kind of ritual ways of connecting and reconnecting after hurts. And I was sad to see that go when I left Christianity. Um, I thought, man, I, you know, that, that's one of the parts of it that I liked. And, and, and if you're in that same boat, the good news is that in secular land, forgiveness still makes tons of sense. As a matter of fact, it is one of the most rational things. It's just one of the, also one of the most natural things you could do. I mean, it's funny, like Alexander Pope, the poet once wrote, to err is human, to forgive divine. But if there's anything I've learned since I left the faith, it's that forgiveness is actually not, it's not even just for, to forgive is not only human, it's also animal, like virtually, you know, if you study animals, all the social animals, bonobos, chimpanzees, you know, dogs, wolves, elephants, you know, they all goats. I mean, they all have conciliation practices. There are all there are ways in those tribes where when somebody when when there's a a, a conflict or when there's a hurt they all have ways practices in terms of how to make things right it's it's not good with the tribe until everybody's back back in in in, in, in harmony as a matter of fact I was talking to a, an animal um, expert and they were saying like the only animal that they have found that has no forgiveness ritual that has no practice of forgiveness are house cats, cats, which I I mean, I know some of your cat people, I think about it. It makes sense. Doesn't it? Yeah. So, uh, but you know, all the animals do it. You know, what's more is like, there are all, there's all this research to suggest that it's very Healthy that you will live longer if you forgive, that your heart rate will slow down, that your blood pressure will be under control better, that, that forgiveness, carrying around grudges, is really difficult, and carrying around bitterness is really unhealthy. And so forgiveness, it, it, far from being like this duty that you'd better do or you're gonna go to hell, it turns out that it's just enlightened self-interest. It's just common sense to forgive. You know, it's, it's funny because I, one of my favorite studies on this was a study they did in England at, at, I think it's Erasmus university where they, they had people, um, write down, they, 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 gave, they, they gave their Guinea pigs a chance to write a story about a, a time when they gave forgiveness or a time when they withheld forgiveness. And then they took those people and they said, now, after you've reflected on this forgiveness experience, we want you to jump up and down five times without bending your knees. And see how high you can jump. And they measured how high people jumped. And the weird thing was, is that after thinking about forgiveness, the ones who had given it rather than withheld it jumped 11.8 inches on average. And the ones who had reflected on withholding forgiveness only jumped 8.5 inches. I mean, literally um, carrying a grudge burdens you. It literally weighs you down. It's kind of cool stuff. But I think all of that, especially if you didn't grow up in that culture of forgiveness, you know, sort of begs that question or, 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 or you know, brings up that question. What is forgiveness in the first place? And that's where like, i you know, like, I'm just going to offer a little bit of life experience here and uh, I'd love to hear what you think of it. But, you know, I, I think that when, when I try to help especially young people figure out what forgiveness is. One of the main things I, I just, I let me tell you what it's not, because what it isn't is it isn't a way of dealing with annoyances or disappointments or shortcomings in other people. You know, sometimes we go like, Oh, he's so stupid. I mean, I, I guess I'm going to have to forgive him for being stupid, you know, or, or, or you forgive somebody for snoring or you forgive somebody for having a mental illness that inconveniences you. And I got to tell you something like those are real burdens. Don't get me wrong but they do not rise to the level of requiring forgiveness. I mean, for things like that, you need tolerance. You need patience. You need forbearance, maybe. But forgiveness is another thing. Forgiveness is for when somebody hurts you. When somebody betrays you or insults you or degrades you. When they, Forgiveness is when somebody harms you. And to forgive somebody in those situations, and the, when I say like what it isn't, it isn't a way of dealing with irritation. But you know what the other thing is? It isn't letting something go. That isn't to forgive it. It isn't to act like it doesn't matter. Go like oh you know don't worry about it, don't worry, it's no big thing. That's not forgiveness. And that's not healthy. It's not to smooth things over. I think in our culture, especially with women, we a lot of times as young people are growing up, we teach them. Oh, don't make a fuss. Oh, let it go. Oh, you know, like we basically are teaching people to stifle their hurt and to accept it and to say, like, listen, like, like you're going to get hurt out there. Don't, don't make a big fuss out of it. And to forgive somebody is not to just take it. It's not to quietly suffer and it's not to excuse it either. You know, sometimes we think forgiveness is to go like, oh, listen, no problem. I know you didn't mean it. You know, it wasn't really your fault. And the truth of the matter is, is that it's not to act as though when you forgive somebody, it's not, you don't act as though like, oh, there's, there's no, nobody's to blame here. You know, like it wasn't your fault to forgive starts with saying it was your fault. You did something wrong. You wronged me. People say, like, oh, you know, you don't want to make a fuss. Listen, the first step in reconciling a relationship when there's when there's been this some kind of hurt or wrongdoing is to acknowledge the violation and to admit that it hurt you and to recognize that you didn't deserve it. That you got wronged. Somebody was cruel to you, somebody was unkind to you, somebody was careless with you. Sometimes it's not on purpose, but people are just careless and they hurt us without even knowing what they're doing. And you know, when you get hurt by somebody, whether it's on purpose or by accident, you got to acknowledge that. You got to say "I didn't deserve to be hurt this way." And you say like, "That makes you but you, you know, you don't want to get angry." Yeah, you do want to get angry. Anger is the first step. The problem the problem that we have in our relationships isn't that we get too angry with each other it's that we sometimes stop there and in our anger we withdraw and in our anger we pull back and we don't we don't we don't put it out there in the open and say yeah I am angry I'm mad that hurt the problem isn't acknowledging that you're upset or angry the problem is is that not the problem but the next step in forgiveness after you're angry is to is to make a decision that even though that person has hurt you, um, you know, and, and this is all assuming like, by the way, like I'm just going one thing forgiveness isn't, you can't really start forgiving somebody until they've stopped hurting you. So like the, the if it, maybe, maybe there's a step before anger and that is like getting out of there, getting the person to pushing them off your foot if they're stepping on your foot stopping their baby and you cut that out, you know, for sometimes with, with some really egregious things, like it requires you to get some help to get out of a situation where you're being abused or where you're being routinely hurt by somebody. But it's very, you know, I, I got to forgive him. Well, he's still hurting you. She's still hurting you. And you're not going to be able to forgive somebody until you, until you're no longer vulnerable to them. It's very difficult to forgive somebody when you're still vulnerable to them and that's one of the things i would tell you like too is that sometimes forgiveness forgiveness isn't always about like reconciling the relationship i mean when i say you need to forgive for your own health when i need, say you need to forgive for the community sometimes that doesn't mean you end up in a ba- you not you don't end up reconciled with that person you don't end up like wanting to hang out with them sometimes somebody hurts you in such a way and you're like you know it's too painful for me to look at you but you can still forgive them I mean, that's the weird thing. You can forgive somebody even if you never want to see them again. Sometimes you can forgive somebody even after they're dead because to forgive them is to let go of your right to revenge. I mean, you have a right to want to hurt them back. But forgiveness is all about going like, you know what? I have a justifiable right to revenge, but I'm going to set it aside. Forgiveness in some you said, well, how can you do that what, like revenge is all over when the person is dead? Yeah, but you know what? The other part of forgi- forgiveness is deciding that you're gonna see the person who hurt you, the person the offender, that you're gonna see them as a person and not as just a monster. That you're gonna you're not gonna just see the offense, but you're gonna see them not as a not as an evil person, but as a person who did an evil thing. Not as a not as a wrongdoer, but as a as a person who did something wrong. And I have a friend, Brian Stevenson, who works at the Equal Justice Institute, and one of his one of the things that he said that makes so much sense to me is he says, you know, nobody should be reduced to the worst thing they ever did. And that's by the law, but I think it's also by us. Nobody should be reduced to the worst thing they ever did to us. To forgive somebody is to go like, listen, that was wrong. But I know there's more to you than that. I think the third step in forgiveness is one is, you know, you got to get angry and you let go of your right to revenge and you decide to see the person as a person again. And then to really forgive somebody, you have to, instead of wanting their destruction, you have to start to actively wish for their well-being. Now, again, do not get me wrong here. Like, that doesn't necessarily mean you want to be friends with them again. It doesn't necessarily mean you ever want to put yourself in a position where they could hurt you again. Sometimes uh, what's the best thing for a person is to be disciplined, is to be punished. Sometimes the best thing for somebody is to go through a really painful process of change forgiveness doesn't mean you're soft it doesn't mean it's okay it doesn't mean you let somebody off the hook what it means is is that you want them to get what they need to change rather than get what they deserve and be destroyed and you know what you may not be there yet you may not be ready to do that yet you know sometimes it takes time to work through the anger sometimes sometimes you have to take that because you have sometimes we try to forgive people before we've even fully taken in the the consequences of what they did to us you know somebody carelessly burns down your house you might forgive them a week later and then you know six months on you all of a sudden you reach for the guitar that your that, that your father gave you and and you realize oh that got that got I got taken up in the fire too and you're angry all over again you look like that jerk they weren't careful and that's why I don't have this guitar and you may have to forgive somebody a hundred times over for the same thing as the weight of it comes down upon you it takes time you know I gotta tell you like it's a lot easier you know it's a lot easier to forgive somebody in the context of a community because in a community you have a reason to do it You know, a lot of people who are trying to do this secular community building thing, they say, why are you so obsessed with the whole, you've got to be about reaching out to other people. You've got to be about making the life world better for other people. Why can't we just have a community where we look out for each other? And the the answer is, is if you have a community just for the sake of having a community, when there's conflict, when there's pain, when there's no fun anymore, you got no reason to do it. Like when you're on a football team, however, And two people have a conflict on the football team. The one guy goes, listen, I'm really pissed off at you, but I I guess we got to work this out because like, you're the quarterback and we need you. When you're in a, when you're in a movement and you're trying to do, you're trying to do something important in the world, you go like, God, that pisses me off what she did. But like, she's so effective at communicating this, our mission. I I don't want to lose her to the team. We're going to have to find a way to work this out. Some, that's what happens in a tribe. That's what happens in on a team. People are like, look, the, everybody has an interest in the two people working it out because we need to get harmonious again so that we can be effective because we've got a common mission. And so one of the things is I always tell people like you, you know, communities that exist for their own benefit seldom cohere very long. You got to have a purpose. You got to have you got to have you got to have something you're working on together that gives you a reason to work stuff out. And you know, the other thing is it's easier to forgive in a community, not only because you have a common purpose, but because especially if there's an ethic of forgiveness in that community, people go, you know, you're going to be surrounded by people that go like, yeah, you know what? I know it seems counterintuitive to forgive somebody that hurts you, but like, you know what? I've read the logic too. I, 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 I think the same way. I think you're doing the right thing to work in this direction. And the other thing is in a community like that people don't just learn to forgive they also learn to ask for forgiveness they learn to acknowledge their shortcomings they get encouragement you, you kind of in, in the right kind of community you get credit you get sort of you earn points with people by forgiving and by asking for forgiveness it becomes one of those things where you go like wow he's a really good part of the team she's a really wonderful part of the community you say why well, oh well she's so forgiving And she's so, um, she's so open to correction. He's so he's, he, 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 he's quick to acknowledge a fault and boy, those, those are winning qualities. And so, you know, as you're building, as you think about building these secular communities, like you want to build those suckers in because that's the rational thing to do. That's, that's your best shot. You know, sometimes people say, well, like, but do we have to, like, does it, is, like, is it immoral not to forgive? And I would go like, you know, and don't get me wrong, you don't owe anything to the person who hurts you. That's not why you forgive. You don't forgive for their sake. You forgive for your own sake. It's kind of an, an act of enlightened self-interest to, re, to, to relieve yourself of the burden. You forgive for the sake of all the people around you who you want to be your best self for. All your all your loved ones who didn't hurt you. If you stay bitter towards that person, you diminish yourself, and that diminishes what you have to offer them. And so again, like, you know, morality is defined not by what works for me, but by work what works for us. And so, yeah, don't get me wrong. I don't. I'm not saying that a person we don't forgive people because they deserve it. We get we forgive people because we deserve it. Now listen, you didn't think I was gonna let you go without telling your story, and I, I got I got a doozy of a story here. Um, it was uh, it I I got it from it went back when I lived in Philadelphia. There was a Philadelphia psychologist named Jack Cornfield who told the story of like of talking to the director of a, a local rehab program there in Philadelphia who worked with violent juvenile offenders, and he and he said that there was he, well I'll just read you the story as he told it. Jack said that that this guy told him, that the the director of the program said one of the 14-year-old boys in our program had shot and killed an innocent teenager to prove himself to his gang. At the trial, the victim's mother sat impassively silent until the end when the youth was convicted of the killing. After the verdict was announced, she stood up slowly and stared directly at him and stated, I'm going to kill you. Then the youth was taken away to serve several years in our juvenile facility. Six months later, and I, you know, you wonder what got into this woman, how much bitterness, how much pain she must have felt. But at some point, I think it must have dawned on her, like, I can't live with this. And so the mother went to visit the killer in prison. He'd been living on the streets before the killing, and she was the only visitor that he'd ever had. For a little while, they talked, and when she left, she gave him some money for cigarettes. And then she started step-by-step to visit him more regularly, bringing food and small gifts. Near the end of his three-year sentence, she asked him what he would be doing when he got out, and he was confused. He said, like, I don't know what I'm going to do. He was very uncertain. So she offered to set him up with a job at a friend's company. Then she asked where he was going to live, and since he had no family to return to, she offered him temporary use of the spare room in her house. For eight months, the boy lived there, ate her food, worked at the job. Then one evening, she called him into the living room to talk. She sat down opposite from him, and she waited, and then she started. The first thing she said to him was, Do you remember in the courtroom when I said I was going to kill you. I cannot imagine what that must have felt like to that kid. He said, I do. He said, I'll never forget that moment. You know, like, I, I, when, I, when I first read the story, I was like, oh my God, what happens now? But what happens is she, she looked at him and she said, well, I did it. I didn't want the boy who could kill my son for no reason to remain alive on this earth. I wanted him to die. That's why I started to visit you and bring you things. That's why I got you the job and let you live here in my house. That's how I set about changing you. And that old boy, he's gone. So now I want to ask you, since my son is gone and that killer is gone, if you'll stay here with me. I've got room and I'd like to adopt you if you'll let me. And the guy told Jack that she became the mother that kid never had. I love that story. I loved it when I was an inner city youth worker and I love it now. It reminds me of something that I read a few years ago. A guy named Louis Smeeds, who was a counselor wrote that to forgive is to set a prisoner free. And then to realize that the prisoner was you I'm not trying to lay some deep emotional trip on you. I'm Honestly, I am just trying to get you to think for a second that if you've been digging on all this community building stuff, do not kid yourself. You cannot go out there in the world and connect with people and get close to people and start to care about people and and think you're going to not hurt each other. And when you do, you better have a way to deal with it. Yeah, Alexander Pope said that to err is human and to forgive divine... But the truth of the matter is, is to err is human, and to forgive is humanizing. Yeah, humanizing, and that's what we're here to talk about, right? We're not here to talk about how we can how we can become more brilliant. We're not here to talk about how we can become more, you know, angry. (laughs) <laughs> we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about how we can become more human. Humanize me. And I guess what I'm saying today is like, you know what? Go humanize yourself. Let's humanize ourselves by resolving that not we're going to get soft, not we're going to let people walk on us, not we're going to stay vulnerable to people who are dangerous. There are people who you need to forgive at a distance and never see again. but we got to resolve that we're going to learn what the, we're going to follow the data. We're going to do what makes the most sense when it comes to making the most of our lives. And that means we're going to, we're going to develop among ourselves and between ourselves, some kind of mechanism whereby we can release the bitterness and process the anger and come to a place where we're free to make the most of our lives, because that's what we're here to do on this podcast. We're here to talk about humanizing me, humanize me, baby. And I will see you next week, and we will go at it all over again. I got some great interviews already made. Um, I just wanted to drop this one in because it was on my it was on my mind. And know we had just had this conversation with the students, and I just want to drop this one in, but next week, interview, week after that interview, not interview, conversation. They're cool. You'll dig them. I'll see you. Rock on. For more information about the work of Bart Campolo, please visit bartcampolo.org.